one of the reasons, like, we think of Trappist Ale or Abbey-style ale, it's always going to be, it's higher in ABV, it's sweet, it's malt-forward. And there's a couple different reasons for that. One is, you know, again, just like in Norse society during Yuletime, you're making something that, you know, during periods of fasting, it's liquid bread. You want to be able to subsist off of it. You want to be able to support the community off of it. But... Belgium also went through its own kind of struggles with prohibition. Hello, and welcome back to Food Crush, the Milwaukee podcast for people who eat and, in the case of this week, drink. I am your co-host, Matt Miller, and I am joined, as always, by the matron of malt, the... the the cuisine of... I, I did not come up with my list of, no, of no. names for you this week. I don't know. The, the, the Princess of Pints? The Princess of Pints. I yeah. love that. And that is appropriate for today. Yeah. The uh, the Regent of Refreshments? Yes. The Bride of Beer? Oh, see, I was trying to come I'm up not with sure. a beer one. That's all right. All I right. like it. That's Lori Frederick, by the way, food writer at Milwaukee.com. How are you doing, Lori? I'm doing well. I'm That's doing good. Well. We're about to talk about beer. And yeah. that is very exciting. And I haven't had any beer today, so that's probably a good really thing. Really disappointing on our but, part. But, you know, also a It's not an appropriate beer-related sad. podcast unless we're not tanked, you know? That's untrue. But <laughs> <laughs> we're drinking sparkling water. We're right? drinking the opposite as is, of As beer. is our recent trend. So, But we are here with people who know well, well more about beer than either of us. They know gallons Potentially of put beer. together. Yeah. Um, and we're here to talk about something that most people don't know a ton about. Or at least I would say most people know less about, and that would be women in beer. A topic involving women that people don't know much about in the general topic? topic? No, this is, you know... How peculiar. How you never peculiar. hear that. You never hear that with, with, with the patriarchy. <laughs> never, never. So, so well, we're going to go there. We're going to go there. Um, and, and to help us out, we have, we have two of the lovely ladies from the Lowlands restaurant group here. Um, Kim Bell, who is the beer master. Um, and we have Ileana Rivera, who is the beverage director. Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. So, okay. Um, this is going to be a big episode for, not a not a warning, but just to, to prepare listeners, we're we are going to be doing, this is a big old two-parter. This is a big old episode. I think there's a, there's a lot. There's more than we can ever talk about. You could probably have an entire podcast dedicated to women in beer, and I'm sure that there are podcasts like with all of this with nature. Beer, we, we're doing this in um, moderation. We're going <laughs> to spread this out in two parts, which we're going to run, you know, kind of close to one another. A shot and a chaser, yeah. Um, nice. Thank you. Nice. I've really thought about this episode. So, so. But so for our, for our first for our first serving for our first glass of beer, we're going to be talking about a kind of the real old history of of women in beer, and and kind of going back way back to the to the origins. Yeah, maybe like what? Because I think what a lot of people and correct me if I'm wrong, but what a, I think what a lot of people don't realize about beer is a lot of the early beer making was very much women's territory and very almost exclusively their territory. Yeah, very much women's only game. Men were. Not really. I mean, we'll we'll get to where they come in, but they're not a part of it for like the better part of most of beer's history up until like industrial revolution. There's a lot of like women only 
history in beer that kind of just gets written out because it's not the exciting, like, now it's there's commercial beer. and It wasn't making money. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just right. more... And beer and beer has a long history. I mean, what are we talking? Like first beer six thousand BC? Is this right? Yeah, I okay. For and me, how do that's we know where that the conversation yeah. sort of starts because we can document that. Like one of the very first I mean, beer history aside, just general history, one of the first pieces of writing we've been able to uncover is a beer recipe. It's like it's a prayer to the goddess Ninkasi, who's the goddess of brewing in ancient Sumeria. But if you if you look at what it says, it's literally kind of listing out as much as they knew about how to make beer. Because we yeast is not a thing for many, many years. Well, yeah, to like well, yeast was a thing, but it was like century, natural in the air yeast, right? right? Like we hadn't identified yeah. it yet as, it's, um, as yeast. It's a magical thing until the 1850s. That thing, that magical thing really that suddenly happening. makes, yeah. yeah, makes your, you know, makes your beer bubble. Yeah. I mean, it's still pretty magical, just. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you were to, if you go back to these ancient civilizations, I mean, it's important to remember that fermentation occurs naturally. So as soon as we kind of figure out how to farm and how to settle down, Beer and wine, too, depending on where you are, That's those are a part of that. But the women are the ones making it because the men are, you know, we're hunter-gatherers. They're hunting. This, they're farming. Yep. They're, they're okay. hunting. Women are gathering, cooking, preparing, and beer is a part of that. So you would have a select, and it's not just any woman, you would have select, like, they're respected women in the community who would be... Well, in the village, I guess, in the community, small cities. Whatever you're small. Yeah, like your exactly. Who would be. be brewing the beer and they're sort of watched over by Ninkasi, who's this goddess of brewing. Um, and also Sirius, who's another goddess of brewing. There's no no gods of brewing, no men involved yet still. Oh, see, that's that's telling right there. Like if the yeah. goddess, if the gods, you know, and goddesses, if the goddesses are the ones overlooking the beverage piece. Yeah. You know. And we're still at a period of time too where there's many, many gods, but the most of the gods that are overseeing your harvest, like that's another woman. Anything that had to do with kind of food and beverage in general, very female driven. Um if you, from 6,000 BC, so we have this prayer, Goddess Ninkasi, and that's how we know that beer is a thing. Um, but after that, even if you start to read some of the literature that comes a little later, so the Epic of Gilgamesh, huge excerpts about his, what would translate to basically his favorite barkeep and her interaction with the goddess of brewing at the time. So even still, like, 6,000 B.C., sure, but right, really, really up until Christ, it's still, regardless of whether it's Ninkasi or Sears, depending on, you know, who you were worshiping, it's still women. It's still, like, very revered women in the community who knew how to make this godlike beverage because they knew it made them feel close to God. Right. They're, sure. They don't know sure. why. <laughs> They're just like, no, they do I it. Just and then feel we feel good. It's like different. Stellar. <laughs> right. Um, right. 
And it was also, again, they could not have known this at the time, but there's it's a lot safer to drink, you know, once you've heated water. And sure. this comes into play a little bit further along because we don't have records that can tell us that there was, you know, a cholera outbreak in 4000 BC. Um, but everybody was drinking fermented beverages. I mean, they kept longer. It just... Yeah, because it, because sense. we're talking like like water is is yeah. maybe not even tasting all that great right. because your water sources aren't that pure. We don't have refrigeration. Yeah, right. So you're creating things, and fermentation probably really started as an accident, like something yeah, sitting out, the, getting uh, warm. Yeah. You know, all the little yeasty babies are flowing, flying into it, and you know, yeah, eating you up leave, all the sugar. You leave grain or fruit sitting out, you're. You're going to get a godlike beverage. And, and fruit flies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so kind of fast. Where do, we, where do we fast forward to? Like, so how many, let's talk about cultures. Like, because the Vikings made beer. Yeah. yeah I mean. The um, Norse culture is, that's probably my kind of favorite area to talk about beer history. Because they had laws revolving around beer. And I mean, we're talking... Fast forwarded quite a bit. And was it beer or was it mead? Like so, if you're still talking ancient Norse society, it's it could be mead. Most likely, hops don't really come into play yet. So, anytime you're not involving hops, you're not really kind of talking about beer the way beer, we see it right. today. Um, you might use spices to preserve it. You might use honey. You might use various other. Not necessarily malt, but an adjunct that's a sugar source. But beer, like beer, But beer, the origins of beer you, really are right. in this sort of meaty territory. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and Kim, this was taking place everywhere. Like, it wasn't just... Yeah. It, like, every, every kind of civilization has their own version of their mead, which was happening during the same period of time, correct? Yeah. So if you... I mean, we... Europe itself, if you were to kind of draw the grape line horizontally right across, even the cultures below who are growing a lot more grape than grain, they still have honey. You can you can ferment any really starchy sugar source that you put your mind to. Um, and for, you know, until you start getting into where taxes become an issue, it's that's the prevalent drink. Maybe wine, maybe beer, usually mead. Um, in Norse society, they like what we think of as Christmas beers or holiday beers. That tradition really starts there. And it does have to do a little bit with Christianity coming into play. But for the vast majority, you know, we've all seen Thor. Because the sexy Helmsworth brother is in it. Um, Which sexy Helmsworth? <laughs> I don't. Is it Chris? Yeah. He's the good Chris. Yes. Joe. Yes. See, Matt's the movie Joe meister. Helmsworth. So, like, yeah. movies, movies television, Chris. you ever have questions. Chris like, Hemsworth <laughs> is Thor. And then yes. Liam Hemsworth is the one that's married to Miley Cyrus. Yes. Also, and then there's also like a, noteworthy. Yeah. And then there's like a DJ Hemsworth somewhere. Yeah. This is not a joke. There's a third Hemsworth who like is a DJ. And is a brother. And is probably is probably somewhat attractive. Yeah. Because there's genes involved here. 
Right. I thought you were talking about pants, jeans. No, like jeans. Yeah, it's romantic with a G. Yeah. Calvin Klein ads. Yeah, so we're back to the Norse gods. Um, what the villages would do every year, and it, again, so brewing is still a cottage industry, which means you're not making it to turn a buck. You're making beer really it's very caloric for your family so you're or your village exactly um and when king hekon the good takes over norway and is like hey but but what if christianity let's try this instead <laughs> uh he was really smart about it because he's like but i'll let you keep this pagan tradition because your beer is really important to you so what we think of we say yule now but it was Yule with a J for them. Um, he actually wrote into law that you would have to take a certain amount of your malt allotment and make a special, like, very high. It would have to have a high malt content because then it's going to be a lot more caloric, a lot more substantial. Um, you would have to make a holiday beer and the holiday season lasted until that beer ran out. Like, if people came to your door, oh. you were given a beer. License to party. So yeah. make enough that we can have Christmas exactly. for, like, months. So like, you right? could have, yeah, you could have Yule right up until... It's classic kindergarten mentality of, like, if you're going to make beer, you have to make some for the whole yes. class. Bring enough for the whole village. <laughs> so we're not only mandating, you must make a really, really robust beer right. every year. And those but, laws, too, specify that it's women that are making it. It written into law men were not a part of that process but and that's that's probably just because women naturally were already yes yeah okay this so isn't, this is, this isn't he basically, some progressivism yeah no <laughs> no he's coming in saying like well i want to stop this and kind of we're all going to worship christ but I want to ruffle any feathers. Yeah, I'm putting you Christianity into this. Yeah. But you won't notice if you're drunk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so this is, I mean, we're obviously we're in AD now, so we've fast forwarded quite a bit, but we're still talking the like eight, nine hundreds here. Sure. So, but literally in the laws, it talks about the equipment and only women could handle the equipment, which was, you know, very... Well, uh, and it's not what you see in a brewery today. Yes. <laughs> pretty rudimentary. They're, they're not having like, like copper stills. You know, we're no. talking literal cauldrons. Big, and yes, stuff like big, that. Yeah. literal cauldrons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just vats of, well, I mean, seven, eight percent beer, which you know that's really hard to do when you don't really know how yeast works. So the fact that right. they were making beers that are that robust is. Well, Still and then you think about it, though, I mean, marble. like, you know, way, way, way back, I mean, you know, they built the pyramids and they talk about like the science that went into that. So then you also wonder, like, there maybe weren't quite the same words for it or they didn't write it down, but somebody had to kind of know what they were doing with yeah. some of this stuff. Yeah. Or there were women who probably were seen as, you know, magical because well, they were yeah. they were actually really really this good gets at literally magical to Matt's fun fact. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, well, and this isn't magical. This is but actually what what you're talking about this kind of idea of beer this being magical substance what we imagine the the kind of stereotypical image of a witch 
the, you know, the pointy hat, broomstick, cat, all this stuff, boiling cauldron. A lot of it comes from beer imagery and beer making imagery. Uh, women in the Middle Ages or in the Dark Ages, I should say, a lot of them to kind of promote their beer, not their beer, but the fact that they had beer, they would wear these tall, pointy hats out in public. Because you could see them from miles yeah. away. So could see like, them. oh, you could look, see it's a lady with beer the over there. Beer. Uh, they would put <laughs> brooms, uh, if, if a brew was ready, they would put a broomstick over their door. Uh, and a lot of them would have cats in a lot of cases to keep mice from getting and, into and the broom, yeah. broom, broom was spelled B-R-E-W-M. Really? Broom. No. <laughs> I was like, like oh wow, I never knew that. You were a new fun but, but, it, but it kind of, like, no, it just makes sense. It does. That that does make sense. I was punny. ready to believe you that. You have I, like, I wrote it down to most believable. Yeah. I was in class at a different time. <laughs> but yeah. obviously, the generally speaking, witches are not looked well upon in society. So you're wondering, how come these this group of people making something that people liked in society all of a sudden got cast? At least cast, maybe today. Got cast yeah. as witches. And that's because we didn't, a lot of people, like we, like you were talking about, we kind of knew an alchemy and kind of knew about fermentation, but the, the full science of it and the full explanation of what was going on was still a, a mystery in a lot of cases. So if you brewed up a batch Long of... Long way off. Yeah. So if you brewed up a batch of beer and something was wrong with that beer, it fermented wrong, if something... And you started making people sick... There was an assumption that you were a witch, that some sort of dark magic. Of that, course. That that it wasn't just science went wrong or a bad batch. It was, you know something, and this goes into the, the sexism of... of oh, yeah. <laughs> go figure, sexism <laughs> of the universe, in yes. the dark ages. But the idea that these women knew so much about plants and, you know, organisms and these, these bubbling cauldrons. On the reactions yeah. that the, we now the, call science. The, the immediate mm-hmm. reaction was suspicion if something went wrong. It wasn't oh a batch went wrong it was what did you do you you know something and that's and perhaps sometimes they did perhaps yeah. sometimes <laughs> perhaps perhaps yeah and this leads into all i mean there's so many so many stories like this i mean you talk about the the lore behind the tomato you know which is called the wolf peach because it was you know dangerous and People thought people were dying from eating it, and really they were dying because they were getting giving themselves lead poisoning because the plates that they ate, yes. the acidic tomatoes off of, you know, all of that was getting into their bloodstreams, yeah. and you know, that was probably a woman's fault too. Yeah, the real shame of no, Lori, <laughs> the real shame of all of this is that, um, uh, like many industries, when beer started becoming a larger industry, when beer started. Becoming something that could when you be could make industrialized, money off of women it. got pushed out of the in- industry. They could, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, standards of quality of beer were enforced. So that way, a lot of a lot of women were kind of forced out of the industry that for so long they were in charge of. Yeah, if you and these are really closely tied together. So fast forwarding again, not too far, but the Dark Ages into the medieval age you would have, there are basically two kinds of women that were in the brewing, not yet an industry, but who would brew beer. You would have ale wives who were married. It fish. didn't mean... They yeah. were fish. Yes. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. before, before the fish, Before yes. the fish. Uh, and you would have Brewsters, like Punky Brewster, <laughs> um, who were not married. And it was just... 
It was something oh, they could do. Alewives were married and Brewsters were not. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it was just it was a ma- a way to make you know not a ton of money because again we're not there yet. Uh, but you didn't have to be educated, of course. Of course, you have to learn the craft, but that's something you would learn from your mother or your cousin or your sister. Um, you didn't have to be educated. You didn't have to be well off. You didn't have to be. You didn't have to be married to do it. So it was a good trade for women, and to that's be a, in. and that's a bizarre element in and of right. itself. Yeah. You know, because usually, if you were allowed to do anything, it was because some, yeah, some there was a man who gave you, you know, entry into. A world, right? So, and we sort of, um, you know, this is the same time period where we're talking about the pointy hats and leading to the imagery of witches. And more than anything, um, women really start to get pushed out after the Black Plague because you see beer being, well, one, we. We have to come back from this somehow. <laughs> so we need a money-making venture just as as a community, as a country, as a continent. You know, this is happening everywhere. So it's not just England, although that's where you have the most history recorded about it. But you have the Black Plague. People need to come back. They need something <clears throat> that's caloric and that's also safe. And anytime people see a need for something... They're like, there's demand. We can Industry. make money off of this. Right. Um, and that's where you see women really starting to get pushed out. So once it becomes, we can make money off of this. It's not just, we're not just do-getters supplying beer to ourselves and our community. Um, even more so than, although there are ways in which, and we will get to that, I'm sure, but um, there are ways in which Christianity kind of affects women's history and brewing, but more so than that is it's an industry now. So Right, right. Now, I think we want to go back a little bit because I think, you know, we talked about kind of like Scandinavian culture and beer, and that makes total sense. But yeah. beer was being brewed across, like all over the world um, and places like Africa have yeah. a brewing tradition. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, Africa is really fascinating to me because you, I mean, and now well, and, and let's talk about a double like discount, uh, like where things are discounted kind of twice in history. Right. Because I think we're, we're talking about women. We're talking about women in Africa, you know, which was, you know, this mysterious country that I, yeah. I feel like we conveniently continent. forgot about. Oh, Kajik. Yes. I'm sorry. Continent. <laughs> Um, the, all of the countries well, in Africa. Well, to be fair, Africa, they the didn't have the word continent back then, so you're still good. You're still good. <laughs> I don't get to, I don't get to uh, correct yes. Lori very often on this podcast. Normally, I'm the one where it's just like, Jesus, Matt, you don't know anything. Uh, not I true. have to take my not one true. moment. You should, you should. Lori was talking about uh, one specific country in Africa. It was. Yeah. Kim? <laughs> one very specific away. country. No. Yeah, no, Kim, take um, it away. Save me. Um, uh, yeah, so... Africa is really fascinating to me because to this day, you have women in Africa who are coming as close as anyone in the world to brewing beer the first way it was brewed. So 
you hear a lot about like, oh, mixed fermentation or spontaneous fermentation in the Lambic region. And they're like, yeah, it's the way beer was made in BC. I mean, it's not, it's not really. Um, but in Africa, beer today is made the same way that the revered women of the community would be making it throughout ancient history, but also right up until the 21st, 22nd century. I mean, it's not, it's not something you make to sell or to export. It's a, it's a divine drink and you make it for a special occasion. You make it for a celebration and it's the women in the community that are making it like there, there's even, um, there are certain tribes that make the beer and they will used yeast that's an actual byproduct of the women making it. Like it's not just coming from the air. Oh, interesting. So the women yeast. literally, so literally they're a part we of had that a conversation <laughs> far before we were, you came on air with the podcast about women being great taste or well, I, I made the mistake of saying women super taste good, super, you yes. know, um, but they women taste tasting, good and they tasting taste more things and they taste better. Yeah. Be a great topic and, for our podcast next week. With <laughs> <laughs> and literally, you know, um, that sort of gets into, I mean, the yeast that colonize bodies are the same yeast that are right. flying in the air. So it's not so bizarre, but you know, yeah, a little, it's really not you know, when you first say it, it's like, Oh, that's a little weird, but it's, I mean, it's the same yeast. Hmm, We're not, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, you could be drinking a beer organisms. and you'd be like, Hmm. This this beer tastes a little like Tamara. Yeah. You know, or, or Kim or, you know, whatever. Um, um, yeah, but that's fascinating. It's, um, but that was probably, again, there was probably mystical, you know, or. Um, absolutely. Like they, they would good use the same. For that. What we kind of now have dubbed a brewer's fork, although different cultures had different terms for it. It's just the general term for what you would stir that, you know, again, what we now call mash, um, the reason that you would get the same result is that all of those yeast and organisms, if you never cleaned it, if you use the same equipment, those are growing on it, they're going to produce a similar outcome. Producing and reproducing yeah. and yeah. So, and then you move your brewery and you're in trouble yeah. because all of the yeast <laughs> is back at the old, at the old. Take some pieces of the roof, move them with you. Yeah seen that happen well um, and kind of yeah and then moving forward like i think so many people you know i i feel like this is like the biggest myth about beers like people talk about beer history and they're like oh it all tra it all started with the monks it all started with the trappist monks you know and that's nice because yeah. belgium has a great beer history it's a very tidy story but it's kind of a lie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, it's a tidy story. I guess tidy, that is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so what's the less tidy version of this? So, and this is not, I absolutely have the utmost respect for Trappist brewers and for anyone who doesn't know there's, I mean, Trappist is a, is an order of monk. So very few of them make beer. There's 13 right now. Um, 12 of them carry the actual authentic Trappist product appellation, but that kind of marketing and that, that doesn't really happen until the 1960s. So you right. have these abbeys right. that, and it's certainly not a lie when they say that it's a tradition that goes back to 500 AD for some of them. Um, 
But Trappist beer and the product and the commercialization, the way we think of it now, is super far removed. Um, well, and this, and I think this is similar, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. So, because the monks, monks in general, um, became known for a lot of things because they were, they were ultimately, I mean, they played all of these roles in the community. I mean, they were the medical practitioners, you know, so you have things like, like bitters and bitter liqueurs and, you know, um, other alcoholic beverages. Their alcoholic beverages really all go back to monks. Um, you know, things like Benedictine, you know, where it's kind of like you talk about these centuries old recipes. Well, that was really associated with herbal medicine, you know, and what we're drinking now, which has been kind of, kind of pretty much remarketed as yep. a spirit to drink, you know, where we're overlooking all of the potentially um, good benefits of the botanicals that are in them. Um, so, so we kind of divorced ourselves from that in this sort of remarketing of these yeah. ancient products. And, and I think is, beer is probably included in that. Yeah. It's um, in our internal beer classes. I, I think the easiest way for yeah, because me to for talk context, about, you do a yeah. lot of the training with all of the staff yeah. at Lowlands and, um, since you guys specialize, I mean, colunders, you know, you have Belgian brews and yeah, we try to give there's them a as lot much of, of these like information that needs to be distilled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a good term for it. I distilled it like that. Um, <laughs> Wrong industry, but you know, Kim so does a great though. job of making sure she includes that too. But we do romance, we do romance, romanticize, romanticize that Belgian culture. Of course, uh, yes, I think people just sure. do in general because how great does that look? So wouldn't it be great if that was how it started versus some more simplistic ways of how how beer became? Yeah. Um, I think there's a there's the easiest way for me to get people to kind of see monks making beer versus you know the brewery up the street is brewers will say, "Oh, I live to brew beer." But the monks were really brewing beer to live. So, yes, it's an industry. and But it's not... In some ways, when the monks take over, yes, it's an industry. They're making money off of that craft. They had to have a craft. If you were a Trappist monk, you had to support yourself. Still, to this day, you have to support yourself off a craft, whatever that craft may be. Um, but that money is going back into the community. So it's still... It was and is still a not nonprofit venture. So in some ways, when it's going back to like the church or the monastery, yeah, exactly. Like that's the the monk village. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to yeah, speak. your your abbey or your surrounding community is where those kind of profits would go, or to just general upkeep of the but church. But how, so, but how did this? So, when we're talking about the transition of the industry from women to men um is it sort of where does that kind of happen so for me it's sort of it's kind of two separate things i think our thinking about monks as the origin is a byproduct of the industry being handed the, over and the growth men. in, yeah, the, in exactly. more recent times where we're talking about okay that was marketed in the 60s right. okay so we kind of um 
And so it's we not took to a say period of time have a huge... and we said there was a huge history here. Let's right. capitalize on it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's not that it's, it's not untrue. It's not untrue. It's just that we put a lot of emphasis on it. Yeah. Because there was a rich history there. Well, that's um, like most things. Especially, right. Yeah, like Olive Garden is not Italian cuisine. Stop but it. Sorry. But <laughs> Those breadsticks are fantastic. It kills me to admit My Auntie this Mary too. loves it. But like, it's easier to digest like, oh yes, this is Italian cuisine as opposed to having to go, like going into a restaurant and being like, this is what the South, this is what the Northern Italy does. This is what Southern Italy does. This is, yeah. anytime you get to make things more complicated, people bristle. And anytime you can make something easy where it's like monks made beer and we drank beer and now we move forward from there, it p- people like their stories clean and simple. Well, Let's, and it fits our very European Christian vantage brain. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and it makes us feel very virtuous about drinking say, beer yes. because, you know, the monks drink it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, so. it's okay. Jesus drank wine, too. I can drink it all I want. Oh. Monks made beer. We're doing fine. We're doing great. I think <laughs> they also, they had such an influence over a lot of Belgian styles and the styles that are popular today that the origin of that style, you would trace back to monks. So then in our heads, that's like the origin of Belgian but, beer yes. is monks. But, but, that, but that makes sense, too, because, I mean, they were, ac- monks were academics and they were, you uh, know. And and I don't want to, I don't want to menialize, menialize. Is that a word? You're using yeah, I don't know. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I don't want to discount. You know, them as monks, but you know, no. they didn't have a lot else to do besides get really, really good at things. You yes. know, they had to love God and proclaim the teachings and and you know, interpret those for the people, and then they had to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, and you had a lot of time to get really good at things. Yeah. And also, who is telling history's story? Generally speaking, especially during this period, a yeah. lot of the writing that is coming out is from churches and from... Almost exclusively. From monks. So, of course, and, and obviously, and unfortunately, women were not in, involved with a lot of the writing of history, even though they were, in many cases, like we talked about with beer, writing the history. I like to think there were women secretly writing things down somehow. You know, somewhere there, and, yeah, and you do find examples of that. Not so much in beer's history, sadly. Um, but yeah, if you one of the like best tellings of the legend of Joan of Arc was written by this sort of secret cl- closeted woman. <laughs> who was kind of working for the church. But again, it's still coming out of the church. Yeah, so of course the church's version of the story is the one that becomes most famous, which is monks are making this beer, and as a result, you should drink it. It's good. They do. There is this fun way to think about it kind of coming full circle because we, in a way that is very roundabout, so I'll try to say it super quickly, um, we kind of got the right to vote in this country because of the way people were drinking in Europe, which monks also kind of had a hand in. So one of the reasons, like we think of Trappist ale or Abbey style ale, it's always going to be, it's higher in ABV, it's sweet, it's malt forward. Um, And there's a couple different reasons for that. One is, you know, again, just like in Norse society during Yule time, you're making something that, you know, during periods of fasting, it's liquid bread. You want to be able to subsist off of it. You want to be able to support the community off of it. But Belgium also went through its own kind of 
struggles with prohibition, but it's Europe. So they're like, well, beer doesn't count. You can still drink <laughs> beer and wine. That's not, Beer's not alcohol. That's not booze. Because <laughs> I feel like beer, well, and we talk about hard liquor. You yeah. know, and I and I think that that distinction between hard liquor and I don't know the alternative soft liquor, <laughs> soft booze, <laughs> right? Which we don't really, I mean, we don't call Slow it that. pitch drinking, but you yeah. know, it's like lower alcohol, yeah, items. You know, had to have been made like a really long time ago because I think yes. beer was just considered to be a beverage. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you know, it didn't make people go crazy in, you know, a, in a few shots, no. you know. You had it. You had to drink quite a bit of beer because your body has to what digest a lot. Yeah. I think also it was being done f- like as a family drink, so it wasn't just necessarily mm-hmm. this adult thing. It was yeah, your kids were sure. yeah, your kids so were drinking. It didn't have that same effect of like it shouldn't be prohibited because this is what yeah. we're having. Every we live day. off of yeah. this. Yeah, to yeah. have the stigma of mm-hmm. something outside. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to throw something in there. So do we do we presume that there were that there were drunken children, or do we presume? <laughs> okay, well, well the, the, the hard question. No, well, the, the kids drunk? Well, this is an issue. Yeah. This is like you know because this is not something that anybody is going to have you know like this isn't going to be written down right. as part of history. You know, or do we assume that, um, you know, the children would fill up with beer, like before so, it suddenly became an issue? Here's here's where it kind of comes back to women. About, so just the science and the nature of beer, your beer for most of human history was going to be three, four percent. It was not even it wasn't even going to reach five percent because there is a lot of science behind getting a certain ABV, like yeast, if you, if there's too much malt in there, it's like a kid in a candy store, it's just going to die. So it isn't until we really understand the science of yeast in the mid 19th century. That we start playing with that alcohol level. Yeah. So you, you know, all of our Europeans come over and the new world, we have a ton of access to corn. So we're not making beer anymore. We're making whiskey but consuming it the same way we would have beer, because again, the distillation process makes that liquid a lot safer to drink. So you have over here, you have literally a nation of drunks for quite some time until we finally are like, all right, maybe you can legislate morality. There's a lot of wives (laughs) getting beaten and men losing their jobs. Let's try to get people on board with this. But the women who were kind of it was women who were leading that because they were the ones whose husbands were coming home drunk and beating them and not making money at work because they were drunk all the time, even though they were drinking the same way that they had consumed alcohol in it Europe. It just was a different medium. Exactly. Yeah, so. so one of the ways that women got other women on board with campaigning to vote was they'd say, hey, if you vote, you can vote for prohibition. <laughs> so even though prohibition doesn't happen until the early 20th century. There's in decades and de- in yeah. America. There's decades and decades of campaigning for it and trying to get women. It was women were campaigning for it because they had the most stake in that. So yeah, and we were and we were talking about this sort of prohibition era in Belgium. Yeah. Yes. So that's I wanna, where I you want to go back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, got, uh, that's less. That's the less familiar. You know, prohibition. Yeah, it happens right around the same time. As it did okay. in the States. But again, they're like, you know, beer and wine is fine. 
so the monks see an opportunity. They're all make they're already making the sort of more caloric, more substantial beers to begin with. But they started adding a lot of ingredients that would up that ABV because oh, people can't have liquor. That's cool. We'll still like we can still make them yeah, happy. We can like, still make them happy. This is legal. I can make an eleven yes. percent beer okay. <laughs> without. Yeah. Um, you know, and they just use a lot of Belgian candy sugar and beet sugar, and that's kind of where we start to see the really like sweet malt forward abiels that we think of today. So they're making they're making the connection between what the yeah. yeast needs to live and what the yeast ultimately creates, which yeah. is like okay, we're going to eat up all that sugar, yeah, and then exactly oh, that sugar becomes alcohol, and we're and again, that's we're sort of. 1920s 30s so they have an understanding at that point but it's it's so funny to me we think oh doubles triples quads those like come to people's mind immediately when you talk about belgian beer and when you talk about abbey ales and you think about monks and it's really easy to imagine this very like oh like 500 AD they're making right, right. but it just wasn't the case no no like that and, and really, even and even those names exactly and <laughs> even those names you know come from I, I believe that this is you know like if there's one X on the bottle you know it's a fairly you know subdued brew you know yeah you get two X's on that bottle you know and all of a sudden that becomes your you know your double and oh, is that, three axes. That that comes your, from like the old cartoon. I believe it was like, it, really like really old labeling. You know yeah, that was it sort of depends where you are. Like the so West Molly, which is a Trappist monastery, they are the ones who actually coined the term double and triple. Coning uh, Chauvin, which is La Trap, they coined the term quad because it was a little higher in ABV than the double and triples, but. It made sense because people had this understanding because of, you know, certain of, classes of how much consumed alcohol certain, yep. that would be. Yes. Yeah. And it just, it, it made sense. But yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, if you look at the monastery's website and they talk about tradition that goes back to 600, like they're not drinking 11% quads. And, <laughs> and there's no, still to no. this day, if you go to a Trappist brewery, which... I've been able to go to, they talk about the fact that they're drinking, like what they're drinking on a regular basis while they're making a beer, while they're tasting, are these very light 3% ABVs. They're yeah. the lowest of all of them for a reason. What is that experience like? Is it just like you, like I think when people hear like I drank at a Trappist Monk brewery, you imagine like this dark cavernous castle and... Kind of that old bubbling, bubbling stuff. Like, is it what so is what I, is that like now? I think it it depends on which one you go to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to a smaller, uh, and there are there are spots within uh, that brewery that are are that and are surreal. Uh, you start the tour with being able to listen to the monks sing for thirty minutes, which which is an experience on itself. Um, the brewery has been renovated and there it's a lot bigger than what it was in the past so i think it's a little bit of old meets new uh in comparison to if i went to orval where it's going to be a lot more like old school there hasn't been those renovations um regardless i think when you walk in there especially with the history that we know in general about beer 
uh, there's just this overall appreciation and the monks are so knowledgeable and can kind of answer everything. I don't know. I feel like you walk in and you're tiptoeing for no reason. But I think it's just because you're like, holy cow, like, I can't believe Literally. I'm here. Um, and the group that I was with, all walks of life, uh, and walking through that church, everyone was silent. And that's something just as far as respect that you don't typically, like, you don't always get that. Uh, but it's this just silence. And there you go with history again. Like, here's this history that we know uh, because it's been brought to our attention. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and that's what we're obviously here to to say. But what we're here to say, more importantly, uh, is that every kind of area within uh, this world, s- someone was doing it. And since we're the gatherers, it probably was a lady. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Which I think leads us into kind of the second half of our conversation, which is modern women in beer and kind of i i guess kind of the industrial uh, industrial revolution the re-realization because like like we talked about in the first half of this podcast once beer became a product rather than a sustenance source women right. were kind of edged out whether by legal means a lot of laws were written that were like that specifically said you know, women 14 to 40 cannot make beer um yeah. well, true yeah. But, uh, True story. The image of women in beer. The image of women in beer. And, and, and maybe yeah. it's more yeah. like, like women between these ages may not make beer. Yeah. yeah. So, that's what I love that. Because yeah. you're not really a woman if you're over 40, right? Like, that's, <laughs> they probably weren't, they are, they're dead. I was so. going to say, like, life, ex- yeah. <laughs> life expectancy was maybe 10 more yeah, years. Exactly. So. But it's, it's yeah, so you, you go through that phase of, of women being pushed out of this, this world that they helped create and, and they helped found. Uh, and in in the industrial revolution, uh, once again, men taking control of the industry. But you you were starting to see a turn back, at least a little bit now, uh, or or is that not the case? I think that completely is the case. What I'd uh, like to start with, and I know Kim can definitely go into it, is how, where we were, and then the transition, kind of in the fifties, to this woman image. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of where, yeah. Uh, of where yeah. we went, because if you consider all of a sudden in the 50s and 60s, what ads looked like and how like women were perceived with oh, beer. Oh, yes. Um, that to me, it needs to be addressed before we can address yeah. how where yeah, we kind are of that now. transition. Yeah. Exactly. Wanna... Yes, it wasn't like it just we just <laughs> yeah, snapped we, over. We, like, we're good now. We can take it so back. So what happened yes. with that transition there? Um. So you so we're. Post World War II, everybody wants to project this sunny, like greatest generation Don image. Draper's working hard. Exactly. <laughs> um, actually, that's the image that absolutely works for this sort of section. The the very Mad Men, like your voluptuous lady in the ad, and she's she's either cleaning rearing children or cooking yes. she's sexy but not too sexy right. because she has a job to do mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with no you know, not with sex no no absolutely no or, or or important things yeah you know definitely Just the not stuff that needs to be done um we also see in post-world war ii beer you would <laughs> beer was just it was in a can. It doesn't matter who made it. It said beer on it. It was no name and it was a pull tab. It's, we're not even obviously like 
there's the beer history in Milwaukee, which is sure. a little bit special. It's, you know, <laughs> you have your Pabst, you have your Schlitz. Yeah, Schlitz, we have, we have, have beer being life. brewed since the 1860s, oh, yeah. you know. As your example. Uh, oh, we're, we're, we're seeing an example of one of these. So this, yes, absolutely. So I think everyone's familiar with like that Miller High Life ad, like how uh, what women were doing. And Kim had just yeah. brought up, obviously, uh, the cleaning aspect. You can clean, but also you can have this beer. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. in, in homage to that, uh, our marketing director, he came up with uh, a Belgian kind of slogan, uh, but show, <laughs> so but, good. but also showcasing yeah. this thought of that. Women had to do both. Like you had to do that, yes. and then maybe then you could enjoy this. Yeah, maybe you could, you could have, have like that. a yes. mom of little helper situation. <laughs> and, and, this, and the slogan is uh, like, "How can you? Uh, how, yeah. does how does she do it? How does she do? do it? Which is uh, yeah. Yeah. How does she do yeah. it all? <laughs> yes, D I E U. And this was us just kind of talking. This was us kind of just talking through uh, this exact thought that was going yeah. on. Uh, and obviously, we didn't grow up in that generation, but uh, our parents did, you know, and our mothers yeah. did. Uh, and this is something that was being showcased at, as to what their normal lives were and what they, how they were being subjugated to beer versus women versus beer. Well, and then it's fascinating because that same generation of women, you know, that grew up with this also became part of, you know, in the 60s, right. you know, like this, we yeah, have the civil totally. rights movement and you have, you know, the feminist movement kind of, kind of coming out of that. And like, I mean, yeah. And beer was not left out of that equation. So you post-World War II, we all know what that, we all know what that happy, sunny image looks like. Um, but beer itself was nothing special. It was, we needed factories we needed jobs so beer was just something you would churn beer was a out commodity. of it exactly yeah i mean like there was no crafty it wasn't movement. special if you wanted no. to differentiate it you'd have like a a guy holding it in the ad with a a beautiful woman like yes. on his side you know maybe but maybe still he has to this a day, we see some of that it was, right. it was exactly. just a part of life mm-hmm. basically right sure and you're talking like and breweries like you know i mean pilsner Lower ABV, right? Yeah, I mean, this is this is low, like golden colored brews, you know, that we now think of fizzy. And and (laughs) because they were so commonplace, I think they also have this reputation now as being like these are the you know the everyday drinking beers, the not crafty, you know. I mean, because even a crafty pilsner, you know, I know a lot of people were like, oh yeah, we skip that. Yeah, you know, we need to go. Which is, I mean, a pilsner is really kind of the true test of how good that brewery is because there's no room yes if you taste the pilsner (laughs) like and it doesn't taste great yeah Mm, don't drink the rest of it yeah because you know (laughs) i mean say those doubles doubles and triples that they're making those are really easy to pass right i think a beer like like intro to poetry like it's real easy to fake to a certain level <laughs> certain <laughs> abvs you can kind of fake like i'll oh, just throw a ton more hops candy in it sugar. Throw, yeah, yeah throw some more candy sugar in it pilsner you can't can't really do that in it's kind of those four ingredients they're pretty delicate and that's it were there, um, were there any women during this kind of time that kind of 50s through 60s 70s so time? you would see 60s, 70s, we start to see, like, just in general, um, you have a lot of 
Yes, on the one hand, there's the kind of free love movement, but you also have a lot of mistrust of the government and a lot of mistrust of anything that was sort of mass produced. Um, and you see this first kind of, and this is where women start to start to play a bigger role. You see kind of the first United States anyway, like craft beer revolution in this country. Because people wanted to make their own product again. Like we think of we think of craft beer as like hipsters now, but it was hippies. Like it started with hippies. Didn't matter, male, female, like it's a cottage industry for them again. And once we see it like being something that you are gonna consume on your own and with your family, we have women coming back into it because it just Yeah. So we can consider that the beginning of modern. I like to give I like to give the hippies credit for that yeah for sure yeah. well that makes sense because too like they were rejecting a lot of like the big business you know yeah. of, like mcdonald's and all these big kind of so it would make sense that when it comes to what they're drinking they would also be like why would i don't want to drink my dad's beer right my, i don't want to i don't want to drink this i don't trust this anyone over 30 yeah the, this corporate brew i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna drink smoke this my weed with a better beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'm gonna make my own beer slogan. too yeah that was out, a big of, thing out of the weed <laughs> Yeah. Somebody yeah. definitely made that in San Francisco. To be, to, so before we go, sure. so before we go, kind of, you know, and and cease this episode. Are there any women that stick out to you? You know, besides like the goddesses of the beginnings, um, that are sort of iconic in early beer history, or do we see just this sort of shadowy female presence? that wasn't really recorded or that doesn't really have, you know, kind I, of standouts. For and I me, just, I, and I think the same as a true Villiana, I certainly have standouts that, oh, these are some of my favorite women or my favorite kind of story to tell during beer class. But it's very much something that you seek out because you have a relationship with that brewery and that brewery's history. Sure. It's not something that's like, just readily kind of known it's very much more i like the way you said that the shadowy female well, presence you, know, you kind of have this you know this this idea like there's a you know behind every great man right <laughs> you know is a even better is woman or something <laughs> or, <laughs> it's a witch it's a more like it's a brewer yeah. right yeah so you um piggyback off of kim i think it's true um obviously uh kim and i have both read uh, a lot about beer just in general and we're obviously females uh so we're gonna we're going to point those things out we're gonna see those things but it's not until we really started developing those relationships uh and women are part of them and women are part of our daily life and what a great thing uh that in this day and age uh, that's such something that's readily available and it's in front of us and that we get to see on a regular basis and Yes, uh, we get to meet these great brewers uh, who, for the most part, are our men. Uh, but there's some awesome females that are right there uh, us, uh, alongside of them, either running their yeah. company or sure. uh, a partner in the company. Um, and those are more of what we have. We can do a historical and say these. this is what these ladies have done. And I know Kim has an example. Uh, but obviously, given the fact that we are with Lowlands, uh, we're going to dip into a lot of Belgian culture, which is a great culture but, but again. Yeah. This is also yes. a really good example, though, because of the long history mm-hmm. with beer, you know, and, and the fact that we like yeah. to attribute, you know, 
I the mean, beginnings there's always, of, there's you know. always uh, with Belgian beer too, the fact that they didn't really have to abide by anyone's laws because they were under so many different rulers for so long that we get more interesting products out of that. Like Germany, you've got the Reinheitsgebot. You can only make beer this one way. Yes, you have but, your three ingredients. Yeah, you know. but yes. Belgians, just the beer culture there. I Even if I weren't with Lowlands and it wasn't like a Belgian kind of influence company, I think that's still where we would end up. Well, I, I think that's where you do end up because it because it is where all of the interesting things happen. Yeah. You know, I th- it, well, and and it just goes to show, like with with most things, you know, laws, you know, are needed for general order. But there becomes a point where laws make everything really boring. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lori yeah. would love the purge. Lori is like, give me some purge so we can make weird, potentially dangerous beers. Well, you know. Everyone's murdering each other out in the streets, and there's Lori in an office being like, I can put together the craziest moonshine. The stories are so interesting right now. Let me write this down. And I think think, uh, if you you want us to share, too, we definitely have examples of just some female... Women in beer, right? Which uh, obviously is right. a celebration of what we're doing here in general. Uh, but either alive that we've met or we've just heard really awesome stories that have struck a chord to us. And Kim, if you want yeah. to start with that, I know that yeah. you have your yeah. fave. And so ends part one of our Women in Beer conversation on the Food Crush podcast. Please make sure to tune in for part two of our Women in Beer uh, podcast discussion. Uh, that should be posted right on wherever you're listening to this, too. You could probably find that just about anywhere. But make sure to listen to part two where we talk about uh, modern women in beer history, where we are now with women in beer culture, and uh, me saying that Hollander and Hollister are the same thing on accident because I am a real smarty pants. That's Lori. Mad, mad, me, you know. me. Yeah. But Lori's disappointed. You, totally tell him, you can tell it'll be a good time. So. You can also hear me calling Africa a country. Uh, I think I think they may have already heard that. Oh, oh, in the first episode. Yeah. Ugh. But I'm sure Lori calls it a country again. Okay. Completely cut that last part out. Just, just, Matt, just redo your thing. I won't talk. Keep all of this game. So again, make sure to tune in for part two. Thank you for listening to Food Crush, and as always, stay cooking. And in this case, drinking.